Lord Jesus, we know that you have already been here and that you are already present, but we know it's an individual choice for each of us to make to invite you to come into our heart, our mind, our soul, our body, all that we are. So we invite you to continue speaking to us as you have through the music, through the testimony, through the word, through all of the different ways that you, you speak. We invite you. We're thirsty. We're ready to hear more. Be with us as we hear and as we do. In your name, amen. There are all kinds of things in life we have heard and we know, but we don't do. What would be on your list? Well, here's a quick list to remind, I mean, get you thinking. How about eat better, start exercising, save money, get a dental checkup, dust, <laughs> tidy up your room or your car or your trunk, back up your computer files or your pictures, clean the refrigerator or your freezer, take a whole pile of things to the thrift store, spend less time on social media and more time with humans, sleep exactly eight hours, drive the speed limit. Oh, I could go on. We all know that there's a difference between just hearing or knowing about something and actually doing it. And so today we are going to explore this a little further as we go back to the lectionary. We've been in the book of Hebrews for many months now, and now that we've finished that, we're going to spend a little time back in the lectionary, and our New Testament reading for today is found in the book of James. And it's there that we're going to discover more about hearing and doing. Now, James is a book of practice most likely written by James, the brother of Jesus. In fact, it may be one of the first books as early as a dozen years after Jesus resurrected. And, you know, on the cover of our bulletin, you may have noticed that I put a quote by Martin Luther, and he respected the words of James, but he was the one to call it an epistle of straw because he felt it had given a little bit too much emphasis on the doing or the works part. John Wesley, on the other hand, the founder of Methodism, stated that this book was central for all Christian faith and life. He described it as a remedy against the general temptation of leaving off good works in order to increase faith. He stated that James unites hearing and doing in God's love. Now, we're only going to study a portion of this book, but I commend to you the entire book to you. Uh, this summer in our youth ministry, we've been studying it throughout the summer, and I have mentioned it as one of the most straightforward books and practical that you're going to find in the Bible. It contains only five chapters and can be read in one sitting and will give you the opportunity to say, I read a book of the Bible today. So there you go. I'm commending that to you. Turn with me if you have a Bible and want to do that, or you can look in your bulletin, James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. 
James 1, 19 to 27. It says this, You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness. And welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any of you, if any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. The word of the Lord. The core of this passage is about being hearers and doers of the word. And in most Bibles, these paragraphs are entitled with those words. So that made my title very easy. I, there was no reason to come up with anything else but that title, hearers and doers. And I am very aware this morning that we are hearing right now and that the point is that we need to hear and do. And you might say, okay, what else do you need to say about this? Well, that's, let's, let's go with that and keep going in that direction and see what God challenges us to do. Because I'm aware that I will have written these words and heard them and then I have to go out this week and do. And that's the harder part. We're going to discover that there are three parts to this process as outlined in these verses. And it wasn't so long ago that we had the Olympics and we were watching a lot of swimming races and track races uh, where they commonly use the language on your mark, get set, go, or something to that effect, all right? Ready, set, go. And I realized as I, I was not looking for this, not looking for this, but I realize this passage is divided up into ready, set, go. And so we're going to unpack that. And you're, you're familiar with those words. The ready part, of course, in the athlete's uh, frame of reference, is to kind of get into a great headspace for their most excellent performance. Now, this may involve any number of wiggles, you see it on the, the swimmers, man. They're the goggles. They're constantly adjusting goggles. I was back there before I got up here, you know, just wiggling around and getting right. No, I wasn't. <laughs> but it's, it's a part of getting into the right headspace. And so every person is unique. And we all have our unique things. For some of us, when we go up front to stand and do something and we're nervous and we just take some deep breaths, whatever it takes to be ready. And so this is the part, and in some areas, uh, and Russell Smelly, of course, who's a track coach, would say, well, there's the on your mark part. So they're, you know, okay, get ready, here we go. Then there's the set. 
And when the starter says, get set, this is the moment when all the athletes go quiet and still, at least on the exterior, right? That's the one moment when everybody's in line and centered. And then there is the go. And that is, uh, to put this into a quote, go and give this your best. It's too late for anything else now. The words of James today remind us of this three-part process. And so we're going to use those words. So let's start with ready. Verses 19 to 21a, the first part of 21. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. So being ready requires getting these things together. And note, as you look at your scripture, the writer uses the word everyone. Not just those of you who are struggling with this. Everyone. It's all for all of us. And the first part of this being ready is that we are to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Now consider this carefully. In the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, the Proverbs are full of passages about listening and being slow to speak. What if we were to listen more and speak less? And then the second part of this ready process is to be slow to anger. And this is in reference to not responding in anger at every opportunity. We cannot blame our short fuse on getting angry. The writer here said there's no excuse. Everyone, everyone is to be slow to anger. Because James says, for your anger does not produce Christ's righteousness. Now we could stop right there because these three pieces alone make up the best of policies for all of living and following Christ. But let me motivate us another way. What if we looked at these at the opposite and how we create problems when we do the opposite, when we are quick to speak, slow to listen, and quick to get angry. What are the problems we create in our world? And haven't we seen enough examples of this already in these last years in our world to remind us of the importance of letting God's love invade our hearts and minds so that we might be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to anger. Because the writer reminds us that this anger can be a distraction in keeping us from being doers of the word. Another part of being ready is in the early part of verse 21 where it says, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness. The common English Bible translation says, set aside all moral filth and the growth of wickedness. And rid here means to lay aside or to strip off your filthy clothing. And the Greek here is also a derivative of rupo, which is meant 
to clean the earwax out so you can hear. Wow, didn't see that coming, did we? That James. If we let moral filth and wickedness be around us, as we know, it will grow and it will take over. So what it means to be ready, quick to listen, slow to speak. I almost said the opposite. (laughs) Slow to anger and get rid of the filthy clothing. Set. 21b, the second part of 21 says, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. The set part of the process is where we quiet ourselves and we let God's word fill fill us knowing it has the power to save our souls. This requires gentleness and a teachable spirit. The contestant is at the starting line and in this moment must have confidence in their readiness because there is no choice. I've thought about in uh, having been around a lot of pastors over all our life, it's not uncommon, and this would be true of any presentation that you might have to do. Somebody might say to you, so are you ready? And and often when I've been asked that on a Sunday morning, I've stopped and thought, boy, I better be ready. <laughs> I don't have any more time now. And that's what we all are. When we hit that set part, we have readied ourselves as much as we can with the Lord giving us power. We have to get down to that starting line and be set and have confidence that God will go forward with us and lead us and guide us. It's an instinctive knowledge of good and evil and has been planted by God in any number of ways, including the Bible, the preached word, the lived word through mentors and teachers, pastors and more. And so who are some of those people in your own life who have quieted you, have helped you to get set? And in whom are you planting the seed, the word of God? Set. And then finally there is go. Verses 22 to 27, we'll look at 22 first where it says, Be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. James is plainly saying here, if we are listening only, we're deceiving ourselves. And to that I want to say, James, what's your point? Wow, it's right there. Being a hearer and not a doer is like looking at ourselves in the mirror and then forgetting what we look like. I don't know why I always want to chuckle a little bit when I look at this because how many times have you gone to a mirror and you've looked at yourself and who you are and you walk away later in the day and somehow your image kind of changes about you. It gets a little better. You think, oh, you know, I kind of look down and go, I look, I look okay. And you get back to the mirror and you go, oh, yeah, there's me. And that's Okay. That's good. God made you love that image you've seen. But the mirror does not lie unless it's really foggy or has stuff on it. Uh, when we look, keep looking into the mirror, James reminds us, we are happily and painfully reminded of who we are. And the hearer and doer is the one who's willing to keep that mirror in front of them. They are the ones who are willing to hear the truth to be accountable to that truth, 
and let the word of the Lord speak plainly to them in conviction and looking at what God has for us. The hearer and doer keeps the mirror in front of them. They not, uh, they, the hearer only looks in, if the hearer only, that person only looks in the mirror maybe on a Sunday morning or a Thursday night. And then they walk away from it until the next Sunday or the next Thursday. The hearer and the doer keeps that mirror in front of them always. Look at verse 25. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. You see, obeying the law gives the Christ follower a rewarding freedom to be what God created us to be. That's a blessing. And as we are going, in case you missed the point, James spells it out clearly in verse 26 and 27. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to care for orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. These verses for us contrast what we think is religious and what God thinks is religious. Now, religious here is not a bad word. Throughout the Bible, religious was known to be showing outward acts such as giving to the needy and fasting. Jeremiah twenty two sixteen says, he defended the rights of the poor and the needy, and then it went well. Isn't that what it means to know me? declares the Lord. Take notice what the writer addresses as a primary impediment to truly hearing and doing the word. Our tongues. Ouch. When we do not control what we say, we're deceiving our hearts. Now I'm slowly making my way through the biography of Alexander Hamilton, which I think is over 500 and some pages on my Kindle. It just gives me how long it's going to take me to finish, which is overwhelming too. Which coincidentally is what Alexander Hamilton was like. He would battle people with his words and he would talk them to death. And so they just walk away. Okay, I give up. I'm done. And James is reminding us here that if we don't bridle that tongue, all we're doing is just beating people with our words. And God is not impressed when we're trying to, to beat him with words. Perhaps you've been bowled over by somebody with words or you've done the same. James said if we don't bridle it, we are deceiving ourselves. To think that our words of worship and praise and prayer alone make us religious is to be the person who thinks they are religious, but they're not. True religion is marked by our care for the vulnerable, the lost, the least, the marginalized. And in those days, a special focus were the widows and the orphans. We are to care for these people because God cares for them. True religion is also marked by God's people who must actively resist the temptation of the surrounding culture. As we are ready in our spiritual character, as we get set 
our foundation on the word of God already in us, we will be ready to go and be doers of the word to all of God's people while calling on God to give us a pure heart and a clean mind. Ready, set, go. It's fitting as we close this sermon to take some time and pray a prayer of confession before our almighty God. This is a good and a hard work. And no one would ever say it's comfortable. None of us this morning are perfect. We've all failed and will fail at truly hearing and doing. But God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we're going to pray a prayer of confession together. This is a call and response. I'm going to read a line, and then I will invite you to respond, Merciful God, forgive us. And in fact, let's say, Merciful God, forgive me. Let's pray. When the busyness of our lives erodes the intentions of our hearts, merciful God, forgive me. When our personal agendas take precedence over reaching out to others, merciful God, forgive me. When we keep putting off being more active doers of the word, Merciful God, forgive me. When we resist change, knowing that our acting and thinking are limited by our prejudice and ignorance, merciful God, forgive me. When we only half listen to those who cry out to be fully heard, merciful God, forgive me. Let's take a moment of silence to contemplate these words and how they apply to us personally and as a community of faith. And then I'm going to say a shorter prayer and we will sing together. Let's, let's take a few moments of silence. Gracious and merciful God, forgive us for past faults and help us in the present and future to make ourselves more available to the hurting world that surrounds us, the world that begins on our doorsteps. Equip us to be patient and compassionate listeners proclaiming the gospel not in overbearing ways, but sensitively and lovingly, 
Strengthen us with the Holy Spirit to be fruitful and active witnesses to Jesus in all we do and say. May we be assured of forgiveness as we become doers of the word and not merely hearers. Let us discover that it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, in giving of ourselves that we receive, and that this is surely evidence of the implanted word that has the power to save our souls. We pray this to you, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and we say thanks be to God. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.